It's the Americhips with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. Britain's version of Medicare for All is struggling with long waits for care. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks, dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. Welcome to the Americhicks with Kim Munson. We have a big, big show planned for you today. Uh, offering you a conservatarian perspective, be sure and check out my website, americhicks.com. Sign up for my emails because there's a lot happening and we want to keep you informed. Uh, we've got a big show planned for you today. Uh, we'll go through some headlines uh, in the first segment. Second segment, we'll be talking with Phil Couture. He is with uh, Christ in the City, which is a ministry uh, that works with the homeless. Regarding this Initiative 300 uh, in uh, in Denver, and this is basically would allow anyone to um, basically live on any property that is owned or operated by the city and county of Denver. And uh, so we'll talk to him about that. And then I am so thrilled to have in studio with me Colorado State Representative Susan Beckman uh, as my guest chick. Welcome, Susan. Good morning, Kim. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, uh, you haven't been getting much sleep, have you? Uh, no, not much sleep. Not lately. <laughs> it's okay. Two more days. Thursday, Friday, and we're done. Two more days. I was down at the state capitol last night until well after 10, and I said, I'm going to have to get some new shoes to match the bags under my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> and there were a lot of people there, and it's, and that's good, actually. Uh, we've seen so many people come to the capitol this year, unprecedented number of people that are just upset and angry and want their voice to be heard. Well, this was uh, regarded, regarding the Senate bill, uh, um, no, let's see, House Bill 1312, which is the forced vaccination bill. And Susan, when I left, I, I, I actually wasn't planning on going down there. And then uh, I had to run over to the grocery store. I looked at my, my phone. I had a text message from one of the moms. She goes, you're not going to believe what's going on down here. They're only going li- to limit testimony to two hours for each side. And uh, I said, do you think I should come down? She said, yes. So I threw everything together, forgot my battery pack, and uh, so when my battery ran out on my phone, I was done, which was about 10, but I live-streamed, and to all of you out there that were watching, I thought I was live-streaming on AmeriChicks, I was live-streaming on my personal uh, Facebook, and then I tried to get a lot of it moved over, there'll be some more video coming today. Um, Technology's not my, my strong suit, but I'm trying to learn, Susan. Well, the forced vaccination bill has brought out a lot of people, Republican, Democrats, and unaffiliated. I sat through a 15-hour hearing, uh, two minutes a a piece from moms and families from across the state of Colorado. Um, I I believe in vaccines. My kids have been vaccinated, and a lot of people that come to testify do also. But there are such uh, situations where people are really concerned about it. And when there is risk, there must be choice. And this bill is so heavy-handed. It takes it away from the local school districts, and parents have to go, like, report in for religious and personal exemptions to public health offices. It's it's written horribly. There's a lot of special interests involved in this, and um, it's intimidation and force, like a lot of bills this year. It's overreach, and I know that it measles are scary. I get that, but... Um, but the the 
rhetoric around the epidemics is really overblown. And we have parents that will come in and testify about their children that have immune disorders or Mm -hmm. have other illnesses or have just reacted badly to uh, a shot or vaccination, and they're very concerned about it. And then the really, really sad cases, uh, vaccine injury is a real thing. In the last four years, there has been about $3 billion in settlements for vaccination injury across the state of Colorado, not Colorado, but across the United States. And so it is a real thing. Uh, The federal government gave immunity to the drug companies years ago, but they did set up this injury fund. Mm -hmm. And for some children, you know, it is a pharmaceutical. And so we hear a lot of parents that, um, number one, they don't want to be on a list. They don't want to be in a system. That's what right, this that, bill does. The whole does. data collection. The whole oh data gosh. collection is very intimidating for many. Uh, they don't want to have to report in for a religious exemption to the public health department. And uh, they just think this is an overreach. Plus, this actually increases the number of vaccinations for all children in the state of Colorado. And we know that it's going down a path of... Um, and there was no fiscal note on it. No fiscal note. So I actually asked for the fiscal note to be redone. And what I got back is that the federal government pays for vaccinations for um, individuals on Medicaid and those that we provide immunizations for. And so there wasn't a fiscal note. I was a little frustrated about that. Well, yeah. And the other thing about it is, is the federal government is running. um, I mean, there's tremendous debt there and they're running deficits. And so this answer that, oh, the federal government will do that. That's, that's you and me. And then we're borrowing from our kids' future. If we really, if we care about kids, you know what, and, and we want to make sure that we pass something good onto them, and that's not a big fat IOU of like $22 trillion in debt. Well, and yeah, because it's, it's additional vaccines. And I always ask the bill sponsor, it's like, okay, well, so why are you driving this in Colorado? I mean, it's so forceful. It's additional vaccinations. Uh, all the uh, rhetoric we hear about vaccinated uh, illnesses and hospitalization because of vaccine-related, non-vaccine-related illnesses. It's all the flu. You know, kids are going to get the flu. No one's recommending that kids get a flu shot every year. And so um, when you see those numbers, it's it's not measles or mumps or the things that were usually vaccinated against. It's the flu. Well, and I'm going to step back and, and take just a, the big view on this. A couple of things. First of all, the real proponents, you know, seems to be generally, I mean, this is bipartisan, though. That's the thing is, you know, I really try to stay to issues, Susan. Uh, and, you know, my, my tagline is, is dissecting issues is right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. And sometimes people look at me like, what does that mean? And I'm always working to search for truth and to stand for freedom. And uh, there's so many things I want to say. I guess one of the big things that I want to say is, first of all, those that are really pushing for this forced vaccination generally, at least what I see from the state legislature, are also the people that are pro-abortion. So I can't figure out how you can have all this rhetoric that you say you're trying to protect kids over here. But yet you have no problem, you know, regarding abortion over here. The other thing is, is many of these people that are, are, are for this are also for open borders. Well, it seems like one of the first things you would do is if you want to be sticking needles in people, how about you get down to the border and make sure that everybody that's coming across is vaccinated? So that's just a kind of a big 
big question that I have on that. It's amazing what's happening down at the Capitol because it is not necessarily Republican or, or, or Democrat. It is leftist agenda, special interest, big business, and the people. So it's right re- versus wrong. Well, and it's the Republicans, and not to be partisan, but the Republicans are the only ones that are fighting for the people right now. And and, and it is it is shifted. It is a very very uh, tipping point this year because big big business, Excel Energy, oil and gas, they have moved because they have moved into the Democratic arena out of need and be- benefit, and the Republicans are really the only ones fighting for. The people, the quality of life, the the rate increases, trying to prevent them from XL Energy, understanding the cost of living uh, is so high, and just to protect people um, and represent the people of Colorado. We've had a massive budget increase in the last five years, $6 billion, and we're not doing the basics. They, We're not spending any money on transportation. We have, well... $300 million is what they additional money they put for transportation. And I just kind of laugh because as, as a county commissioner, I know that's like one major intersection. It's nothing. We're funding our schools at um, $7 billion this year is what we put to schools. And, you know, the test scores are horrible. Oh, my gosh. 60% of the kids aren't reading at proficient levels in fourth grade. And the math and social science test scores are not any better. And I, I don't know where the outrage is. Yes. I don't know where it is because people should be screaming about that. Well, we should. And you know what? We are, uh, what we normally do, Susan, is we like to jam a two hour show in a one hour, and that's what's going to happen today. Uh, Just a quick note regarding uh, our kids are not proficient in reading, writing, and arithmetic. But many of you, um, we've been watching this thing down in Douglas County where there was a, um, an assembly where they brought in a radical leftist to present regarding inclusivity and diversity and, and uh, all that. Her name is uh, Regan Bird. And uh, I am in, been going back and forth with the public information officer, Paula Hans, with Douglas County, uh, asking if that was a mandatory uh, assembly and, you know, how we can actually have a balanced approach and then come to find out this Reagan Bird has been hired as a consultant to train uh, teachers and administrators out at Mountain View High School and their uh, feeder school, the junior high school. So we need to be on that. So we have kids, we're not teaching them how to read and write, but we are then using tax dollars again to fund these people so that they can make a living to push that forward. But Susan, a couple of things I like to do is a little inspirational quote <laughs> and, uh, and also a little humor. So let's do that because there's a lot, lot going on down there. First of all, you know, basketball season, uh, we're Nuggets are in the playoffs. Jimmy Valvano, a great basketball player, coach, commentator, he died uh, very early in his life from, from cancer. Um, but this is one thing that he said, and this is a shout out to my dad. I'm going to get to see my dad tomorrow. And he said, you know, you have 24 hours in a day and you choose what you do with that. You choose what you watch. You choose how you work. You choose who you spend your time with and uh, choose wisely. But this is what uh, Jimmy Valvano said. He said, there are 86,400 seconds in a day and it's up to you to decide what to do with them. You, nobody else. You're responsible for that. So, Steve, producer Steve, hey, I need to say thank you to you. Thank you to Zach, Patty, and Keith for keeping this train on the track. Uh, are every, you re- time, every time you say that, I think of the poem Casey Jones, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Steve. 
There was a guy, you may not want to comment on this. There was a guy who was late to work for the third day in a row. His boss sarcastically asked, okay, what's your excuse this time? The guy said, I'm sorry, but my wife asked to drive me to work, and I told her she didn't need to, but she insisted, and that she and she said she could be ready in 10 minutes. But then we, when we left, the drawbridge was up, and I had to swim across the river, fighting off alligators. Then a helicopter picked me up, put me on top of the building. I ran down 60 flights of stairs and got here as quickly as possible. His boss shook his head and said, you expect me to believe that? No woman can get dressed in just 10 minutes. To that, I say a hearty amen. <laughs> oh, okay. You know what? We, uh, we're going to go to break here. I'm thrilled to have in studio with me uh, Colorado Representative Susan Beckman. She's been down there, and uh, I, I, I mean, you're not on much sleep. So thanks for making it here. I really appreciate it. My guest check, my guest chick. And um, we'll be talking with Phil Couture with Christ in the City Ministries. Uh, but before we do that, uh, Portland tamed the Nuggets last night. The series is tied at one all. The next game is tomorrow night in Portland. The Avalanche series with the San Jose Sharks now stands at two games to one. And the next game is tonight. And the Rockies clobbered Milwaukee yesterday. One more game there, and then they'll be home Friday to start a three-game series with the Diamondbacks. And Hooters Restaurants is my sports headquarters. As you all know, Hooters is the place to watch the game. Wednesdays are wing day, and that's all the wings you can eat for $14.99. The smoked wings are delish. They are half the calories. And when the girls come over on Wednesday nights, I order Hooters wings. They are delivered right to my front door, and the girls love them. So have your Hooters wings delivered to your house Stop by and pick them up and take them home or watch the games at the restaurant. So visit HootersColorado.com for more information. That's HootersColorado.com. Let them know that you know the AmeriChicks. And we will be right back with Phil Couture. All AmeriChicks sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and AmeriChick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And guys, Kim can help you with made-to-measure shirts that fit great and you'll love to wear. Guys and gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at AmeriChicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Social media is important to the AmeriChicks since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. Be sure and check out my website, AmeriChicks.com. Sign up for my emails. Before we get to Phil uh, Couture, who is with uh, Christ in the City Ministry, as many of you know, we are organizing a rally, Stand for Colorado. It is next Friday, May 10th. 
from 4 to 5.30 on the west steps of the Capitol. We will have concurrent uh, rallies in Grand Junction, in Alamosa, in Gunnison. And so be sure and go to the website. Sign up so that uh, you can be apprised of everything. Uh, And uh, Representative Beckman, we are seeing something unprecedented here in Colorado. And uh, that is, is that people across the political spectrum are seeing what is actually going on with this leftist agenda. And it's uh, it's all about force. And people are going, wait a minute, we're Coloradans. We like that that Western individualistic spirit. This is not the Colorado that we, that we love. Yeah, I would agree. The people coming down to the Capitol for the rallies and testifying, it is a mixed group of people, uh, Republicans, unaffiliated, and Democrats. And, and they're all over the spectrum. And a lot of them have never been politically involved. Right. And they're networking and getting people down there. It is amazing. When you will have, it's not unusual for us to have a 10 or 15 hour hearing. People are upset. They understand how damaging some of this legislation is to their life, to their children, to their jobs, um, to their livelihood. And they're mad. They are. And so come, all of us together, to stand for Colorado. And that'll be next, uh, because typically hardworking people, you know, everyday people, they're taking care of their families. They don't get down to the Capitol. We're seeing that they're there. Let's all come together next Friday. And we we chose that date because that's the day that Governor Polis will be giving his State of the State address earlier, probably touting all of the successes. And we want to say, wait a minute. We're watching. We're concerned. And we care. So be sure and join us. And we've got some amazing things. So very quickly, before we get to Phil... I have five more speakers to announce, and this is going to be like rapid, you know, uh, speed issue speakers. Everybody's going to get three minutes. Thrilled to say that Weld County Sheriff Steve Reams will be with us talking about the red flag law. CU Regent Sue Sharkey will be talking about higher education. Carol Baker, pharmacist, will be talking about prescription drugs. Uh, Former Jefferson County Commissioner and uh, former RTD Board Director Tina Francone will be talking about all this stuff they're doing with air quality. And Jan Cook with Get Her Done Right will be talking about uh, Senate Bill 235, the forced voter registration. It is going to be an amazing day. And I've got some surprises up my sleeve, I think, that you guys are going to love. So oh, Those rallies are so fun down at the Capitol. People should really come down because uh, you're with people that are, are believing in the same things, and they're fun and energized and yeah, I've enjoyed seeing the rallies, and there's been so many of them. Okay, well, last last yesterday it said it was going to be a sunny day. day. Today it says it's going to rain next week. But, you know, let's we'll get the weather committee on it and see what we can do. Bring your umbrella. Bring your umbrella, that's for sure. So, hey, jumping over here, Phil Couture, first of all, am I pronouncing your last name right? You are pronouncing it perfectly, yeah. Fantastic. Now, you are with Christ in the City Ministries, right? Correct, yes. Yeah. Tell us just a little bit about that. Well, we, uh, what was originally the inspiration for Christ in the City was to gather a group of young people, college age typically, so uh, between like 18 and 28, to, um, to integrate Catholic social teaching, uh, which is really the teaching the consequences of the gospel in the public sphere, and, uh, and helping them like, be, begin to live this out in, in, in many different ways. But the real niche we found is working with the chronically homeless in Denver. What these uh, missionaries do, as we call them, they go on the streets every day, or mostly every day. Um, they look for the homeless, they befriend them, they walk the same routes, they meet the same people, 
because what often happens uh, in in homelessness that people don't recognize, there's lots of resources in Denver. Many of the homeless say nobody starves in Denver. But a lot of the reasons people end up on the streets is because broken relationships. So there's not really too many people providing that, and that's something we want to fulfill. Okay, well, now this... um uh, initiative 300 that is in Denver. I have actually read the initiative, and it is, uh, you know, I think that in some ways the proponents are trying to couch it as compassionate. However, um, I I don't think that there's I don't think it's really compassionate to uh, allow people to, in essence, just live wherever they want on city and. And county property because I think it affects I think it hurts property owners but I think it also hurts the homeless there's and there's a lot of different programs out there to help the homeless right Phil there are many I would say that there's some lacking in terms of housing especially um, or current settings for housing can be very difficult like you know, sleeping around with like in the sense of sleeping next to an unpredictable stranger um, but besides that yeah there's there's lots and lots for our friends in the street so uh, this Initiative 300, uh, do you, you know, what do you think about it? Um, I, I see where it's coming from. I, I see uh, the, the difficulties that people are wrestling with. We see the, the, the consequences of the camping ban as it stands all the time, which I think is, is pursuing some good, uh, it's trying to be reasonable. There's, there's warnings that have to take place before you get a citation or, or jail time, and you have to fail to comply to move along. But I definitely see where uh, the homeless are coming from who, and many of those who are trying to, to craft this. It's like, well, I'm told to move along, but everywhere I go is, is trespassing. With the initiative, that the idea is to make it uh, more tolerable. As, as, as one woman was saying, it's really hard to get out of these circumstances when, uh, when you can't get enough sleep. It's really hard to think straight and to make the decisions you need to. But as many of the opponents have expressed, and as you're getting at there, um, the question is, would this make it more humane for the homeless? Or would it actually make it where these the streets, which can be unkind and aren't meant for human habitation, which uh, many of the homeless and even those who are uh, proposing Initiative 300 are saying uh, that the, the streets are not kind, they're not a safe place to be in, and that they want to make it a little bit safer in this way. But I, a lot of the opponents are arguing, well, the streets were never meant for uh, human habitation, and we're essentially going to say, uh, that these undignified places are dignified for them. And that's an unfortunate message if, if uh, we consider the other side of that coin. Um, there's other issues that would come about, but, yeah, I think many of the opponents of Initiative 300 say what you say. Well, and uh, there's a couple of things within this initiative that, you know, and this is the thing, Phil, that I've seen, and I have Representative Susan Beckman here, and I've thought a lot about this uh, particular legislative session, this particular Initiative 300 and what I see is that uh, there, there can be an issue where people are concerned about it or it can be something that, that is good. Like, um, I, um, you know, I personally feel that vaccinating children against childhood diseases that could hurt them is a good idea. But then what I see is that uh, activists take these issues and they, they wrap them all up in in things that are not necessarily good. So in Initiative 300, you know, I think the proponents are trying to say that, you know, we want to be compassionate to the homeless. And I I think people, I mean, I think Coloradans really are concerned about people that are down on their luck. But allowing uh, people to just, you know, live wherever they want, first of all, 
is is not compassionate. It's not helping them get, you know, from being homeless to not being homeless. And we had um, Peter Wall on, who is the director of government affairs for the Denver Metro Realtors Association. And it's not that we don't have programs or money. He said that in Denver, an average of $20,000 is spent per homeless person, while only $12,000 is spent per uh, uh, Denver Public school, uh, school student. And as I'm looking at it, I'm like, well, $20,000 is a lot of money. And then I realized a lot of that is going to the administrations of, of some of these programs, some of these government programs. And so that's not compassionate. Somebody else is making money. It's not helping the homeless. But there's another thing that really concerns me about 300, Phil, and that is, is this civil rights component that's put in this. My understanding is nowhere else in the country is there this civil rights component. So let's say somebody is is living on the the sidewalk on the tree, you know, the tree area in front of your house and you or, you know, some organization that helps the homeless comes and says, you know, let's help you. Let's let's you know, let's move along on that one. Or if police officers come and, and ask them to move, that in fact, they at that point in time can say that their civil rights are being uh, infringed upon, and uh, then you're off to the races in the legal uh, realm. And I, I'm really concerned about that, Phil. No, I, I see where you're coming from. Uh, that's that's uh, a legitimate thing to be concerned about. Uh, even being on the streets um, and having the relationships that we do, we hear all sorts of things from the homeless themselves on this on this initiative. And and some have recognized what you said. Uh, I was just uh, talking with a missionary who was saying they were having a discussion about the initiative, and, and the guy was saying, "No, this this is a bad idea. If if, if you do this, they're going to be right at your front door. They're going to there's uh, all sorts of technical technicalities to public spaces, and so they they themselves recognize that that would be a consequence, and many of them are aren't okay with that, even though they're struggling with being on the streets. I think um, even. I think uh, the bottom line here is that uh, Homeless Out Loud, who had a lot of uh, the initiative in, in crafting this initiative, I don't think they, they sense that people are really paying attention to the homeless issue. And that's why I, I think it's a, a really great thing what you're saying, that we need to have compassion for the homeless and seek the most compassionate answer. However, people are going to vote on this and, and to see what it is. So in the case of Initiative 300, I think the Homeless Out Loud itself doesn't uh, want this to be the end-all, be-all. Um, they themselves in 2013, they were criticizing the camping ban, uh, but they proposed several reasonable suggestions. Uh, for example, uh, putting more funding in shelters and in uh, long-term solutions for resolving homelessness, uh, adjusting the current ban so that uh, law enforcement uh, has to offer resources first before they uh, offer citations or jail time or warnings. I think those are very reasonable, and that's that's from the same pe- people who who proposed the initiative 300 in the first place. Um, but but I I hope no matter what people are choosing to vote on, whether they vote no or yes, that they have the the homeless in mind and the difficulties that they're experiencing. Yeah, and I think that I think that people do. However, I think that having people um, being able to uh, camp and live wherever they want to, uh, I, I don't think that that really is. Um, Offering, offering dignity to them, and it certainly is going to affect property ownership. And so there's got to be a better answer and, um, and than this Initiative 300. So, Phil, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it. If people want more information about the ministry that you're doing, uh, how can they find you? Well, we have a website, christinthecity.co. 
Um, we are in Denver, Colorado. Uh, we have a number that you can find online also. We try and keep our address low-key, uh, especially with the kind of ministry we do. But any way you need to contact us, you can especially find it online. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Greatly appreciate you joining us. Thank you very much, Tim. Okay. And I just want to make a note. Um, Patty had done some research on this, and right now people are not returning their ballots in Denver. And uh, I really think that uh, having people be able to live where wherever is, an, uh, is not a good thing for property owners. You know, we want to lift people up instead of bringing our community you know, into basically where people could camp and live wherever they wanted to. And so it's really important that you vote. And I very quickly, I just want to let you know, as of yesterday, uh, 23,630 Democrats had voted on this. Their ballots have been received. Uh, And and that's out of 198,407 people that could vote. On the Republican side, there's 8,500 ballots that have been cast out of 52,000, and unaffiliated, uh, just about 14,000 out of 160,000. So, my friends, if you care about your your property values, your property rights in Denver, you you better get out and vote because you can be rest assured the activists are are they're getting those votes and they're getting those in. So, if you care, you better get out there and vote. It's really important. You may think your vote doesn't care count, but it does count. So uh, we're running a little bit behind, but we've got all kinds of flexibility this morning. And I have Jason McBride on the line with you. Hey, Jason, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing good. Hey, when you're talking about all those votes coming, uh, not coming in, it reminds me of one of my uh, favorite quotes from Thomas Jefferson, who said that we are not ruled by the majority, but by the majority who participate. You got it, Jason McBride. He and probably didn't say ruled. That's probably not the right word. <laughs> but it's, you get my point. And I get your point, and I think Thomas Jefferson got your point, too. So, but uh, Hey, Jason, I know you like to keep an eye on long-term trends and patterns in the markets. And today you have a very interesting phenomenon to discuss. Well, that's right, Kim. You probably remember a few months ago we talked about a few indicators like the Santa Claus rally, the January barometer, a couple of others, and this one is in that same vein. So this one's called Sell in May and Go Away, and looking at the information that you sent me, the numbers are pretty compelling. I think they are, Kim. Now, some of these type indicators don't amount to much, but some have a good amount of uh, meat on the bone, and I think this one's worth being aware of. So I've got uh, info that goes back even further than what I sent you, Kim. So what this this strategy is, is it says if you sell on the last day of April and you just put your money in cash or bonds, and then you buy back into the market on the last day of October. So you're in for six months, the six months that are supposedly very productive, and you're out for the six months that aren't so productive. And it really does have some interesting numbers. Uh, If we look at the Dow going all the way back to 1950, Kim, if you'd invested 10000 in the Dow and only invested it from May to October, 
you only uh, had $11,000 at the end of 2017. So over all those years, 68, 67, whatever it is, you only gained about $1,000 being in the market from May to October. However, that same 10000 if you had just invested from November through uh, the end of April, you had about a uh, little bit over a million dollars. Gee, money. <laughs> so it's not so much that you lose huge money by being in from May to October. It's just it's proven to be far less productive so you're taking, you know, pretty much the same risk for almost no return, it sounds like. Well, that sounds pretty simple and, and pretty effective. But like a lot of good recipes, sometimes if you add one more little in- ingredient, it gets even better. And your information indicates this one can be tweaked by taking the election cycle years into account. You know, that's right, Kim. Uh, longer term, the markets also tend to perform the best in pre-election years, which we're in now by far, next best in election years, which is next year. So in those years, you might consider uh, holding from May to November. Uh, Nothing ever works perfectly, of course, year in and year out, but uh, being aware of stuff like this can give you a, you know, anything that can give you a small edge here and there, it can add up over the long term. So by adding in uh, just the four-year election cycle to this strategy, uh, you know, the, the, the one side stays about the same, but the, the, the growth side, you end up with about a million two hundred and eighty thousand at the end uh, versus just a little bit over a million. So it's, uh, you know, about a 28% increase uh, to do less trades, actually. That is fascinating. You know, Jason, I think I know you well enough by now to guess that you always say things in moderation. Maybe just utilize this strategy for a portion of your portfolio. I think that's really wise, Kim. All things in moderation, except for your show, which is now on three <laughs> times a day. Right? Nice plug. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I know the game. But, yeah, there are managers that utilize this strategy, managers that use many other approaches uh, that are also effective. So really, it's not too hard uh, to implement several good ideas into your overall plan. Uh, One more thing, this strategy says, you know, you sell on the last day of April, actually. So do you know why they call it sell in May and go away? No. Because if they called it sell in April and go away April, it would sound stupid. <laughs> Jason McBride, that cracks me up. Thanks so much. And, you know, folks, if you would like to have a, a set of eyes on your portfolio, your nest egg, the Jason McBride and all the folks over there at Presidential Wealth Management can help you out. So check out our our, uh, our landing page, chickspresidential.com, chickspresidential.com. Jason, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, Kim. Have a good show. Okay, thanks so much. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we're talking with Susan Beckman, uh, Colorado State Representative, uh, what's going on down at the Capitol. So stay tuned. Don't miss Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson with the Americhicks at Water's Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. And coming soon, Vino and Veritas in Northern Colorado. Know why you believe what you believe and be able to have conversations with friends, family, and colleagues. 
The Americhicks with Kim Munson would like to thank Bullets Both Ways in Centennial and Auto Fireguard in Castle Rock for sponsoring this fascinating study of the U.S. Constitution. Sign up today at Americhicks.com. The mortgage process can be stressful, and with a potential increase in interest rates, it's more important than ever to get pre-qualified now so you're ready to buy. Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance to make sure you are making the right financial choice for you and your family. 303-517-7173. With over 30 years of combined experience, Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook of Home Mortgage Alliance have the knowledge and expertise to explore the many financing options available to you. They will remain available seven days a week and they will always respond quickly to your calls because they pride themselves on their excellent customer service. Choose the only mortgage professionals recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance today. 303-517-7173. 303-517-7173. Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich & Company help your business plan ahead financially. The Americhicks with Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich & Company as your financial business consultant. Predovich & Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. Dan Predovich and his team want to learn the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich & Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for next year's tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich & Company. Call 303-791-3000 today. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we're dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. Check out my website, americhicks.com, and also check out the website for standforcolorado.com. That is our rally for next week. We've got to get over here to Representative Susan Beckman. We have so much to talk about. Susan, first of all, thanks for being here. Oh, you're welcome, Kim. Thank you. You guys have been there late at night, and I'm just... I'm honored that you're here. Well, it's a great opportunity. People uh, need to know what's happening, and it's hard to get that information and message out there. So thanks for the opportunity. Well, I'm going to just toss it over to you. What do we want to talk about? So um, I will say that we've done a very good job this year killing some bills just by stalling. Rent control, family leave, um, sex ed bill. Those are most likely not going to go through, and that's good. That is um, good. We are trying to debate the issues at length and push the calendar back. We only have two more days, so um, that's something What about a special we, session? They're kicking that idea around. That would be uh, bad. I don't know. You have to have a specific reason for the special session, okay. and the bills that they want, um, in reality, they're pushing through. Okay. The energy bills, uh, the XL energy bills that are going to increase rate costs for energy and in the Denver metro area and the Front Range. Those have already pretty much gone through. They're doing radical voting laws right now. You know, we started out the year with the National Popular Vote Bill, which passed, and now we have uh, a petition started. But right now we're looking at automatic registered voting for all eligible voters in Colorado. They would just register you and use. They're actually going to use the Medicaid rolls to reach out and all your government um, data information is going to be compiled and then they're going to send you a ballot even if you don't want to be registered to vote i'm calling that the forced voter forced voter registration yes uh there's also a lot of um 
bills for voting that are radical in the sense that we're going to have to have voting vote centers and college campuses, but only in the metro area. It's so biased. It It is so intentional to be able to help the Democrats gain more votes. I mean, not to be partisan, but that's what these election laws are about. Um, we had a bill early on, uh, Senate Bill 139, that expanded motor vehicle offices to um, throughout the state of Colorado for undocumented licenses. So it gets real blurred, too, is uh, should people be registered to vote? Are they voting? Are they legal to right. vote? Um, we have same-day registration in, right. in Colorado. It's so expensive to have those voting centers. I'm, I'm a county commissioner. I know the cost of opening up those voting centers and, and how many people you have there. Not a lot. And then in Colorado, we mail people ballots. Mm-hmm. But this automatic registration is going to cost counties a lot, a lot of, money. of money. And some people don't want to be on the voter rolls. I talk to people all the time when I'm out campaigning, and they say, well, I don't want to participate. I'm done with politics, and I don't want a ballot, and I'm not going to vote. And so we are, we're going to have all these mail ballots. And I'm very suspicious of ballot harvesting because in my district last year in, during the campaign, we had people from all over the nation coming in, moveon.org and others, ballot harvesting. Right. And so the integrity of the elections, which we in Colorado have always rated very, very high, is just going out the window. Radical, radical voting um, rules and regulations are now being passed. And just a clarification, you're a former county commissioner and you are a representative now. I'm a representative Mm -hmm. now, yeah. Yeah. I was a county commissioner for 12 years, took some time off, and now I'm a representative. And this forced uh, voter registration, there's all kinds of data collection. That's another thing that we're seeing in all these bills, Susan Beckman, is data collection, data collection. The government's getting more and more information on you. And and even if you say that you want to opt out on the forced uh, voter registration, you have to let them know within like 20 days or something. Yes, and a lot of people don't want to be on those those lists. And what's interesting is through the vaccination bills, what we're seeing is that if you dig deep enough, these uh, this data is being sent. They're using memorandums of understanding and trading this information between all departments and all agencies, personal health information, personal information. It's all data integrated, and it's it's very scary, actually. Well, and, you know, this is not, A, the proper role of government, but, B, it seems like uh, in doing all that, they're, they're not getting done the things that need to get get done. I mean, we have basically said in public education, we want you to teach our kids to be able to read and write, do arithmetic and critically think. You know, we'd like our roads and bridges so that we can, uh, you know, travel on those. And they don't seem to be really focused on that kind of stuff. No. um, This year it's about intimidation and force of government. It's not about doing essential government duties like Mm -hmm. paving our roads and uh, teaching kids to read and write. And we have gone so far left in our agendas that we are... To have enough money to do that, we're just ignoring the essential services, and it's very concerning. So they're going to be coming back. Well, I know that they're going to try to do an end run around TABOR, our Taxpayer Bill of Rights. There's a couple of bills on that. I think it's House Bill 1257 and 1258. And um, you know what, Susan, let's do this. Let's go ahead and get back on schedule on breaks. Let's do that and then focus again on you in this last segment um, because I know you've got so much information. You've got notes everywhere. So this is Kim Munson with Representative uh, Susan Beckman. We'll be right back. 
Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect your private property rights. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped to organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. So call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. Presidential Wealth Management has educated thousands of Coloradans at our free financial education classes. We're offering two Social Security classes in May. Our Arvada class will be held at the Apex Center Tuesday, May 7th at 6.30 p.m. and Saturday, May 11th at 10 a.m. Our Lakewood class will be held at the Lakewood Library on Tuesday, May 14th and Thursday, May 16th at 6 p.m. Go to chickspresidential.com to sign up online or call 303-694-1600 and make your reservation with Natalie. Come join the 88 Drive-In this weekend for opening day of Avengers Endgame. Starting April 26th, features will include Avengers Endgame, Captain Marvel, and Shazam. Box office opens at 6 p.m. Friday. Get here early and be among the first to see this highly anticipated movie. We're now open seven days a week. Admission is only $9 per person and children under 12 are free. For more information, go to our Facebook page or visit our website at 88drivein.net. Well, I don't know, Susan Beckman. I feel like crying. What about you? <laughs> yeah, we fight. <laughs> we fight, fight on. That's we right. We fight every day. So, uh, Representative Susan Beckman, you're down at the Capitol. We have two more days left. There's so much going on. You guys have been holding the line. But it's, 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 not, it's not really Republican versus Democrat. It is people standing for the people, which is a, a number of the Republicans, and then it is these big government Big interest, all that. So let's jump in here. Let's. How about health care? What's going on with health care? So there is a real divide in Colorado from what the people want and where this administration is going. Two years ago, overwhelmingly, by 76%, the people of Colorado said no thank you to universal health care. And this year we have several studies, uh, bills that were passed, big uh, fiscal notes. One of them is looking at a multi-payer universal health care system, one very similar to what we voted down. Another is to look at a state plan system. This bill is actually uh, very dangerous because it, it doesn't come back to the legislature. It is like automatically implemented. And so it allows for um, the state employees, which is a pretty big pool, to move into the health care exchange and to create a state plan that really would push out private insurance companies. It is a, it is a government takeover of health care. Uh, reinsurance programs, there's a lot of health bills, but what the direction is is not more market-friendly, more co- competition. It is a state takeover, universal health care, Colorado health care run by the government. And... And they do such a crackerjack job on everything. Well, yeah. And it just keeps, you know, they keep on talking about the prices going down and the prices don't go down. The more government money you put into it, the less transparency you have, the more your costs are going to go up. And that is what we continue to create. There's a lot of special interest. 
Two years ago, we passed that Bill 267 where we uh, sent the hospital provider fee to an enterprise for hospitals because they were all going broke. When you look at the amount of profit that our hospitals are making in the state of Colorado, it is shocking. It, the exponential profits, especially in the nonprofit arena. And so nonprofit doesn't mean that they don't make profit. It just it no. means that uh, it's like I think they should lose they, their nonprofit status because they're making a lot of money. No. And and that's not right for uh, because people they in could, Colorado. They, they, but it's and they forced. also co- they also compete against entities that quote unquote are for profit. So right. the for profit right. pay taxes, the nonprofit doesn't. So okay, just wanted to make that. Yeah. So it would have been great if uh, Obamacare could have been um, overturned at the federal level because there's so many things in that that mess up our healthcare system that people don't even realize. Like the uh, nonprofit hospitals are required to do community benefits, and so now you have these hospitals that are making so much profit that are actually expected to fund schools and fund parks, and it creates this new expectation from hospitals. And I, my logic says, why don't you just lower prices? Mm-hmm. But there's no transparency. The more you get involved with government regulation, government oversight, government control, the more your costs are going to go up, and that's where we're going. And the studies that are just going to be implemented even without legislative oversight or legislative approval. The study sets up the action in which we're moving in that direction. And Governor Polis told us when he got elected, it's, you know, we're going to go to renewable energy, which is going to cost the rate players in the state of Colorado a tremendous amount of money. And we're going to move toward universal health care. And we're doing it. And mm-hmm. we're doing it a very short period of time. In, you know, four months, we're becoming more California than California is. With more, I hate to keep using the words radical, but when you look at us compared to the rest of the nation, we are implementing the most radical energy bills, radical health care bills that are, we don't even know how they're going to impact Colorado. Moving to uh, all renewables. Just a quick and- note. Uh, the, the positive is that we'll take care of the traffic congestion problem because we won't have people here anymore. They will have moved away. <laughs> just a little. Well, you know, and, and the mindset is actually the cars are bad. I, I, oh, that's know, a whole other thing. Right, the cars are bad. If you bad like your car, you're not going to be able to keep right. your car. But that's a whole other right. discussion. So go ahead. What's your next? Oh, so energy. Uh, in a slate of bills this year, we have moved to... Um, Decrease the green, reduce greenhouse gas emissions by like 50% in 2050, but it's on a fast track. And what we've done is allowed for XL Energy to bond out the sky's the limit amount of money to close down the, the existing coal plants. Oh, the clean coal plants. Yeah, that they put a lot of money in a few years ago um, that is going to devastate rural Colorado and to move toward renewable air, wind, in- energy. And none of it is going to come out of their investors' pocket. All of it is going to be on the backs of the ratepayers. And this has been done in a very non-transparent way. We get these bills late, and then we go to uh, the the committee, and then it's on the floor, and they add multi-page amendment, multi-page amendment, multi-page amendment. How can you read all that? And they just are pushing it through, and it is more aggressive, actually, than Uh the California uh, Green Plan. And their energy costs are going up so much in um, in California. And this is wind and air, it's great. Wind and uh, solar are great, but the technology but force, isn't but the technology force. isn't there yet. Yeah. Right now our mix is about eighty twenty. 
uh, fossil fuels, 80%, 20% renewable energy. Um, they're going to move to 100% renewable energy. That's their goal, but it is going to cost us greatly. And the PUC is changing, XL Energy, all of this is going to be bonded out and on the backs of ratepayers. They even passed a bill, this bill, the gall. Um, <laughs> they're setting up charging stations up and down their front range. And they're going to be free to the user of the electric car, and it's going to be spread across to the ratepayers. We're going to be paying for them these charging stations. They re-upped the um, incentive, the rebate for uh, the tax credit for tax credit, ele- tax yeah. credit for electric cars. Fact- and now we're going to let people charge them for free up and down the front range, and we're going to pass it on to the ratepayers. It defies reason, Susan Begman. We are we're just about out of time. I think. After you get some rest, how about let's have you come back after this session. But just tell me, what's your um, favorite bill to hate and your favorite bill to love? My favorite bill to hate is the Census Outreach Grant Program. The federal government actually is funding the Census Outreach uh, at $2.8 billion. And so there's money there. Uh, what a party the Democrats did in in this year is that they added an additional six million for census outreach. So they're six gonna million do you know, Colorado's yeah, money. Yeah, they're gonna do their own census outreach. The day that bill passed, every aide for the, the Democrats were up in the gallery because this is gonna be their summer job. But my concern with this is that I lived through Acorn in my district where they were out spending government money to do uh, targeting and uh, government uh, uh, outreach or voting outreach campaign outreach, and my concern is that that is what they're going to use. They're going to be knocking on doors as census outreach, but they'll oh. follow it up to register for voters, and they'll follow it up to pick their ballots, and we're just paying we're for paying that, for just it. like we did with ACORN, and just like we've done with, you know, we fund Planned Parenthood, and then they're in our neighborhoods, and they're knocking on doors, so that is my favorite bill to hate, because I just can't believe that they... It's diabolically yeah, brilliant. It's like, wow, $6 million will go a long way for community outreach. And then my favorite bill is kind of a homegrown bill. It's really moms and families. It's not a special interest bill that are so tired of their kids not reading in school because they have dyslexia. And the further we get from phonetic teaching of phonetics in reading, the worse it is for kids with dyslexia. Oh, yeah, that would make sense. They started, it was a small group, and... They have hundreds and hundreds now at these hearings, and they've actually moved the ball against special interests and and the education community, and they've got a bill to do some studying and do some testing. But these moms, these families, they're not going away, and they are not special interests. And I talked to one of them one day, and I said, well, maybe we could do a pilot project in charter schools. And she looked me in these clear blue eyes. She looked me in the eye, and she said, my kid gets on a bus, and goes to a neighborhood school, she should be able to learn to read there. And it's, it, it's and compelling. She's right. And she's right. And so it is a, a, a subsection of this bigger issue that we have with schools. But it's so great to see parents standing up and saying, this is not right. Well, when I left last night, Susan, we are out of town, but when I are out of time. When I left last night at a little after 10, there were moms with little kids still at the Capitol. And the veil is off on what is going on, and it's it's no longer Democrat versus Republican. It is 
as you mentioned, big government, special interest against the people. Susan Beckman, you are standing for the people. Thank you. We are standing for the people and we are fighting for the people. And it's an honor and privilege to serve the people of Colorado and House District 38 in two more days. And uh, can't can't happen soon enough. (laughs) Well, we stand on the, the shoulders of giants and we have a responsibility. And I know that you take that seriously and I'm grateful for you. Thank you so much, Kim. So Thomas Sowell said, no one really understands politics until they understand that politicians are not trying to solve our problems. They're trying to solve their own problems, of which getting elected and reelected are number one and number two. Whatever is number three is far behind. That's not... That's for politicians. That's not for elected leaders like you. How's that? Thank you so much. And that's the great economist, Thomas Sowell. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America.